I mean, at this point, I think Node.js is for the olds, isn't it? <laughs> it's for people like Jared, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's not, you know, a Ruby Elixir, or no, it's not a Rust Elixir, whatever hotness. And I'm I'm definitely an old because I, I don't know what the current thing is. J-Rust? Oh, God. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Welcome to the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkins. We are here to talk about the practical side of operations work. This week, we're talking about Elasticsearch, and in particular, the business models that have sprung up around them. X- Elastic's XPAC, AWS's Open Distro, and Floragun's SearchGuard. We would like to thank 42 Lions for sponsoring this episode. 42 Lines is a DevOps consulting firm specializing in observability, cloud migrations, site reliability engineering, cost control, security practices, and team mentoring. Start your SRE journey today with the experts at 42lines.net. So this is going to be an interesting episode in the sense that we're not talking so much about the specifics of using a technology at in a practical application at work. We're talking more about why you would choose which distribution of Elastic and how and why and where you would run it. And broadly speaking, there are three distributions and then one external vendor that sells a product that you might might be interested in. And just diving in, those are the open source Apache 2.0 re- um, released Elastic Core there is the Elastic licensed version that Elastic ships by default and makes it difficult to not find. Um, this comes with XPack, among other things. There is the Amazon-backed open distribution for Elasticsearch, which is Apache 2.0 licensed, has none of the XPack code in it, but has a bunch of performance profiling and security tools built in. And then there is a security plugin called SearchGuard, written by Flora Gunn, that is designed to shore up some of the the weaknesses or the the things that were missing in XPack or only existed only existed in XPack for a serious amount of money. So that's the 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 base of today's discussion. So what do you mean by distribution? Clearly, you're not talking about a Linux distribution. Well, honestly, the distribution in the sense is very much like the way Linux is a distribution. You have a, a core of the software, much like in Linux, you have a kernel. And then around that, you have additional libraries and software and kind of add-ons that provide um, TLS and authentication and index management and fancy UI and other extra code that extends the core. Um, Elasticsearch itself is built on top of Lucene, which is a set of um, Apache-licensed modules or libraries that do search. And Elastic is one of the largest contributors to Lucene at this point. But Elastic wants you to have the option to pay them money, because that's their business model, to (laughs) turn on things like authentication, to turn on things like index management, to turn on some of the the nicer search or AI features, some of the the machine learning bits that they have. And there's a lot of code there. There's a lot of good stuff that they've added in there that is for a business. You want to do SAML, you want to do OAuth, you want to do other things like that. That's all in XPAC. Um, I will say, just not to sideline us too much, but I just, I despise when uh, companies put security things, especially something simple as SAML behind a paywall. I get why they do it, because it's an easy win to get money, 
But then that makes a lot of smaller companies either run, A, run things unsecurely, or B, look at something else altogether uh, just because of that one little thing. I am totally in agreement. That is a crummy thing that too, far too many vendors do. And Elastic did it for a very long time. The 6.8.1 release, I believe, came, it is when they decided to make the authentication pieces um, part of the free, not open source, but free bits in XPack. Um, XPack is the suite of software that Elastic wants you to use that extends core Elasticsearch and provides all these these things. Now, and that's not open sourced, right? That Or correct. that doesn't have an open source license along with it. That's an Elastic license. Yes, and it is called the Elastic license. And in the 6.3.0 release, I believe, Elastic decided they were... The public side of this, the, the publicly offered statement, was they were tired of having their open source code and their closed source code and having people file bugs against different code bases and have people, people who were in one area not being able to benefit from the open source fixes and people on the, on the open source side not knowing their fixes coming down the pike from the closed source side. And they wanted to make things simpler, and they wanted to make it easier for people to get the free, not open source, but the free, the the no cost features of XPack. And so they changed their default bundling to say, when you download Elastic off the website or out of the out of the repo, by default you get XPack with it integrated, completely installed, and with a perpetual basic license. So there's no charge to the user; they just run Elastic as they've been running Elastic, and everything is just fine. Except it's and, not. And is this what this proprietary code base? Yes. Oh wow! Is that what spurred Amazon to do the uh, open distro? Absolutely. So what Elastic did in the six in the six point three point zero release is they moved the XPack GitHub repo into the Elastic open source repo, and there's a directory called XPack that. All of the all the Elastic license code is inside that directory. So if you want to build without that code, it's easy. Before you run build, you drop that directory. And then you build it without XPack and everything's fine. But the default installation has it. And in that license, in the Elastic license, there is a clause that appears to have been written very specifically to target Amazon. And in particular, the Amazon Web Services. And it's section 1.2 under Reservation of Rights and Restrictions, Clause 4. You are restricted from using Elastic Software Object Code for providing time-sharing services, any software as a service, service, service bureau services, or as a part of an application services provider or other service offering, collectively known as SaaS offerings, where obtaining access to the Elastic Software or the features or functions of the Elastic Software is the primary reason or a substantial motivation for users of the SaaS offering to access and or use the SaaS offering. Which is a whole bunch of legalese to basically say Amazon's AWS managed Elasticsearch service is not able to upgrade off of the 6.2. whatever that release was because Amazon cannot ship 6.3.0 XPack, which they were shipping before. And remember, mm. it's not just security features. There were a bunch of smaller niceties like the index lifecycle management pieces that are part of XPack. Now, does Open Distro have a like a one to one parity? Like, if there's a feature in XPack, does Open Distro have it, or is there something that's missing? So, in the beginning, when Amazon 
Amazon was caught, I think, kind of off guard by this. And I suspect there was a negotiation in the back end that failed, but I don't, I'm not privy to any of that, so I can speak freely. Amazon announced very publicly via, you know, many press releases and news stories and a large splashy GitHub page that they are releasing the open distribution for Elasticsearch. Collect, like, and they, they call it open distro. And they are specifically focusing on the fact that all the code in their, in their distribution is Apache 2.0 licensed and none of it will be behind a paywall or behind any of those things. And they got really busy working on performance profiling tools and security tools and authentication tools and all of the things that they wanted to offer to their customers in the managed Elasticsearch service that they no longer could through XPAC. They no, no longer could use Elastic's proprietary code. And as Amazon got to work on it. And for the first 12 months, it was pretty bad. Like it was lagging behind versions. It was not so stable. It had a lot of weirdnesses about installing it. But now they're basically to feature parity for the the open source side of things. They're up to the current versions. And I mean, it doesn't have some of the machine learning pieces because Amazon wants you to use their machine learning libraries. But it has all of that the, the basic things that people were paying for XPAC for, like the 90% use case being um, TLS, authentication, performance uh, monitoring, index management, and interestingly, an SQL driver. SQL driver? Mm-hmm. There's now an SQL driver that ships that you can use with the Amazon Open Distro. Because everybody hates Kibana, right? Well, one of the things that Elastic doesn't do so well, or doesn't do at all generally, is joins between indexes. The Open Distro SQL driver does a very limited set, and I must stress very highly that it's a very limited set, of joins. So you can do joins between two indexes in certain terms, conditions apply, your mileage may vary, void or prohibited. I definitely have some clients that are really excited about uh, an SQL standard query language. And it also... I'll have to admit, I personally, if given the choice between looking for logs in Kibana versus using a CLI or, you know, common Linux tools, I'm going to go with the latter. Well, remember... I'm not sure it's a CLI, though. I think it's just SQL over an HTTP interface. It is. It's both. You can run SQL against port 9200 slash underscore open distro slash, I think, SQL. I believe that's the endpoint for it. And you can give it the query, and you can either have it run the query and give you results, or give you the elastic formatted, the the elastic DSL formatted query that gets you the same response, which is super interesting and helpful for people who are trying to translate a business a business intelligence tool into elastic query language, which can be very helpful. That's also, its own beast. But also remember, Jared, that a lot of folks use elastic in production, and they are not using it for a logging context. They're using it for we have. 500 million assets in our, in our database that we're trying to sell to people. And we have a complex mesh of who has rights and who has prices and who has this and all of the other things. And yes, you can do that in in a gigantic MySQL or Postgres database and you can use locking semantics and you can have absolutely correct all the time, but it's slow and it's expensive on CPU. The same query, you stick it into an Elasticsearch index and it is extraordinarily fast, but now your developers have to, they have to read all their code. They have to they go, through, go through every time they touch the database and say, no, 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 just kidding. We have to reformat this and figure out the query language and all of the other things. If there's an SQL driver, even if it's limited, suddenly a lot of that can be 
either rapidly ported or just left alone. So there's a there's a huge pile of money waiting to be consumed here. And Amazon's bet is that you're going to use the Amazon Amazon Managed Elasticsearch service and therefore pay them money or just run OpenDistro on EC2 instances and pay them money. And Elastic is hoping that they have cast enough uncertainty and doubt upon the OpenDistro and they'll say, hey, look, it's not just those features that, that Amazon is pushing out. There's a lot of other good stuff here. And we're the company that's doing 99% of the driving force behind development and research and bug fixes and performance and all of the other things you want out of this distribution. So really, for your 5, 10, 15 node cluster, you really should just pay us the money for XPAC and get support and get all the other things they do. And honestly, their support is really, really good. And when you're doing small clusters like that, yeah, sure, there's a, there's an argument to be made. However, when you switch over to very large volume anything, pay as you go doesn't work. We all know this. This is this is an old truism. So paying the extra, you know, percentage that Amazon charges for the Elasticsearch Manda service doesn't really work, especially because they turn off a bunch of things. We'll get to that in a minute. Um. But paying Elastic the per-node licensing fee, I was never able to talk my clients into paying the per-node licensing fee because it was outrageously high for the volume of data we were pushing. It's pricey stuff. So it sounds like if you're maybe smaller or already all in with, with Elasticsearch and, and you know have a smallish cluster, XPAC might be the best thing for you, to, at least starting off with. However, if you're much more comfortable with Elasticsearch and you have a sizable cluster, OpenDistro may be the way for you to go. That's a, that's a very fair and safe assessment, um, particularly if you're doing something like a SaaS offering where you are, you are reselling services to other people and part of the core services you're reselling are search. So let's say you're an online website that, or an, on, an online store that is trying to sell lawnmowers and you want to look at people's locations and do a lot of meshing between locations and market research and inventory and those kinds of things. And you're, you're, you're prominently presenting a search interface that allows people to, to dig in and do the fancy stuff that Elastic does that falls under this restriction of license. So either you're paying Elastic a support contract or you've switched open distro. Those are your, those really are your two choices. So I'm really uh, kind of surprised that AWS has released open distro as sort of an open source thing they're not really known for for doing a lot of large open source work rather than than adding some special sauce to their services to get you to use their services they could do all of this have their own elastic search service with their own feature set on top of it and try to differentiate themselves and do software as a service without the whole open source aspect well, part of what they're doing is if you are consuming Amazon's services and then you are providing a SaaS platform on top of AWS, this license prohibits that unless you're paying Elastic. So it was blocking Amazon's downstream customers from being able to just use things. And that was really frustrating to, to Amazon. And no, Amazon is not known for being a saint in the open source arena. They're not known for opening things up that they don't have to. They're not known for contributing out of their own goodwill. Um, I think the place they're probably the, the most well-known is Linux networking drivers and Linux kernel tuning to make sure it works well in the cloud. But 
if you look at Kinesis data streams, it's effectively Kafka. Are they contributing back to Kafka? Where's the Kafka distribution? Who knows? Where is the RDS open distribution? Well, I hope if there's a big enough like bug or a big enough issue that they're that they fixed internally, that hopefully that's getting pushed upstream. Oh, they have in their press release. They t- they talk about how they've you know they they commit back and all those things, and they're good citizens of open source, and they really hate to see Elastic moving the stuff behind a paywall. And it's like, yeah, but Amazon, you were also not a saint in this. You were you you were not you didn't come to this with clean hands. You're not innocent in this party. Um, this reminds me of. Like so many arguments in this industry, most of the argument is entirely about money. It's not about what's right or what's good or any of those things. It's about money and who's who's getting the most of the money and people trying either not to get screwed by the bigger player or trying not to let a small player come in and eat, eat their lunch. And I yeah. think you've effectively answered the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because it, obviously, obviously the answer would be it would be great if both Amazon and uh, elastic we're collaborating on the same thing because you know just it's just one less code base hopefully bugs will get fixed faster that kind of thing but it's just a shame that they basically forked or split well to, another thing to be clear about is um amazon is trying really hard to stay current with the apache licensed elastic search oss release they're trying to stay up on what Elastic, the company, is releasing under Apache license. So when people are moving back and forth, you can just pick up your data, you pick up your indexes, slide them over, and drop them in. And all of the core features just work. Well, sort of. Um, in And this comes from pain, painful experience. In the Amazon managed Elasticsearch service, they've turned off a whole bunch of endpoints on the API because it makes running the cluster easier for them. But they've turned off things like placing shards. So if you have a large cluster and manage Elasticsearch, and you lose two nodes at the same time, and they're gone, they don't come back, and they have the primary and the replica of an index on them, so you have you now have a red cluster because you, you've lost um, shards, the only recourse that you have is to restore from backup. Oof. You can't go in and place empty shards and say, I'm going to accept data loss and just keep on moving. There's a bunch of things you can't do. If you have a node that times out of the cluster in a specific way and shard allocation retries are set to five and it tries to reallocate five times and then it's done, you're stuck. You can't close and open indexes. You can't reboot servers. You can't do a bunch of the other things that you would just do in a standard distribution, a standard install of Elastic, even when you're running on EC2 instances directly. So... When I say that you can do everything in Open Distro, I kind of mean it. Um, in the Open Distro itself that you download and you run on EC2 instances or what have you, yes. On the managed Elasticsearch service that Elastic ru- or that Amazon, sorry, the managed Elasticsearch service that Amazon runs for you on the Open Distro platform, a bunch of things have been turned off, and I find that super frustrating and very limiting and. That alone would prevent me from ever using it because... It's definitely fairly restrictive compared to playing with the clusters that you used to build, Brendan. Well, yeah. Also, I know how to fix a lot of the problems dynamically. I These are things you don't want somebody who doesn't really know the software to do, but I've done it enough that I know how and where the pieces work together. And so I want to have those controls. And I mentioned this earlier, but there's a third way to go on this. Um... There is a company called Flora Gun, but based out of the EU, 
and they ran a product called SearchGuard. And SearchGuard for a very long time was the alternative to Elastic's um, authentication, TLS, et cetera, cluster security, and kind of hardening of Elastic. SearchGuard's business model is per cluster, not per node. And so for a very small cluster, it's cheaper to do XPAC, but for as the cluster size grows, SearchGuard's price stays constant. And so this is the software that lets you do issue apply security policy so you can control what groups of users can see what kinds of data in Elastic, Yes, right? it, it not only does, you're very, very correct, not only does it do TLS and authentication of all varieties, it does field level and document level security. So you can say this group in LDAP is able to see this index, but they can't see the social security numbers and they can't see the whatever else. Not that you should ever put social security numbers into an Elasticsearch index, please, for the love of, anyway. Um, but you, you can mask data out. You can t- You can say, this, this group of users can see everything, so security can see everything, everything. And the engineers can see almost everything, but they get they get a portion of the IP address or however you want to do that. And you can do it live, which is really cool. Now, does XPAC have that that level of granularity? It does at the higher at the higher pay, pay at the higher price levels. Now, of course If you have enough money, it does, Jared. Yes. <laughs> um, the last time I was running Elasticsearch and Anger at scale. We had over 400 nodes and, you know, a couple thousand dollars per node per year doesn't sound like that much until you have hundreds of nodes and suddenly the bill is extraordinarily high. So now does uh, SearchGuard have any other features beyond security or uh, is it more focused just on, on the security aspect? So I haven't looked into them recently in part because... The XPAC basic licensing covers most of my use cases personally. So I haven't needed it in terms of the things that I'm working on that are not, you know, SaaS offerings and whatever. Um, if you're running it internally, if you're running the software internally on your own hardware or whatever, you're fine to run XPAC basic license because you're not reselling it to anybody. You're not doing the SaaS side of things. You're just saying, hey, we're running it because we needed a tool for looking at logging. That's totally allowed. Um, it's when you're doing externally facing things you're you're helping um if you're selling it to customers kind of thing and when i was looking at xpack or when i was looking at search guard it was very we were very much focused on answering three questions it was tls between all the nodes it was authentication off of um, saml and it was field level document security to be able to restrict things based on security's guidance about who and what in the company should be able to look at it um, they also have um reporting tools and optimization tools and alerting tools and other things, but I never really dug into those deeply. So I can't speak authoritatively to what the state of those things are now and what else is going on. You should also be aware that Elastic has filed lawsuits against Floragun and against, I believe they filed lawsuits against AWS um, for misuse of code and, you know, rewriting. Basically their, their, their allegation is that you can't do some of these things without looking at the, code that is in the GitHub repo that is open, that is, that is freely available to view, but is not open source. And so their argument, I believe is that the developers who are writing authentication pieces are contaminated by being able to write it in a clean room. Exactly. I I was just about to, I mean, I I was going to say that earlier when you mentioned they moved the the repo, but I didn't want to make it sound like they did that uh, intentionally, but it it almost sounds like that. Like they're trying to make it to where it's a, if they're in a litigation situation and uh, you know that they the, the developers have to give over their laptop. That there's code that that code is on their 
uh, hard drive, and I could see them. That could be a point where the developers like, no, 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 seriously, to have to for me to even download the source code, that's going to be on my hard drive. But I never looked at it. I immediately deleted it. You know, I swear I, mean, I never looked at it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it, I, I again, I can't speak to Elastic's motives. Elastic has generally been good to the open source community. They have been committing all kinds of things back to Lucene and to Netty and to all kinds of other things. They did a whole crazy pile of research into the way the JVM handles memory allocation and the way the garbage collections work. I mean, they, they've done an incredible amount of super valuable work for the community. And they're also, also really a public company it. now, and they've been struggling to uh, uh, have a financial plan. Yes, they're, they are in search of um, long-term viability and profit, profit, profitability because that's what commercial companies do. And I do not fault them either for doing that. You know, there's developers have to get paid. And for a project this complicated and this large... And yeah, I don't know of other projects on the scale of Elasticsearch that can do what Elasticsearch does so successfully. And yet how to wrap that up into a company that's profitable is its own separate, completely divorced challenge from, you know, making a successful open source project. Well, I can think of one other company, but it's not open source. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, that company that you're, you're, you're laughing about that is known for charging incredible amounts of money for a logging product um, has recently been touting the virtues of open source, which has never been their strong suit. Hmm, I wonder if they're feeling the pain of... Anyway, we'll keep on going now. <laughs> I can't speak to Elastic's motivations, and again, Amazon did not come to this with clean hands. They were definitely making a huge pile of money off of somebody else's work for little or no real required input on their part. They were able to say, oh, we're doing this thing and we're just going to make money off of it. And oh, yeah, of course, you can you can you can pay Elastic for a support license or you can just use it. And a lot of people are just using it. And that's that's not really cool either to to not give back to the community. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to play this game and say that we're we're doing this because of you know our standards and the Apache license and things, you've also kind of got to give back and be part of the community and not just consume from it constantly. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't want to, and that's the reason I, I really didn't want to say anything at first when you mentioned they moved the repo, because I, I have no idea of what their intentions were, and, and hopefully they it really wasn't that. Because um, I do know the other, I mean, like, for example, Prometheus, I mean, they used to have the TSDB in its own repo, they used to have other things in its own repo, and they've slowly merged back into the main Prometheus repo. So, I mean, maybe that that, that was the reason they did that. Yeah, I trust that when Shea Bannon got up on stage, and I was actually at the Elasticon when this happened, and he got up on stage and he said, we have so much confusion from our users about where to submit bug reports, and especially if you're if you're a paying customer. Like, how do we get this in properly? Is this supposed to be behind, is it in this issue tracker, or is it in the other issue tracker? Do we do it over here? Do, do you do it in GitHub? Do you do it? How do we handle that? And that was causing pain for their customers, and having, and just their end users who were just using the product, and so having the merged code base where you actually can see everything and you can do security audits based on the code that you can look at and go, yeah, I, I can validate that they're actually doing the right thing here. That's really powerful. Now, I'm not so sure about the mingling in the same repo. Um, <laughs> again, I'm not a lawyer. I have a huge amount of respect for Elastic and what they've done. I love their product. I, I have friends who work at Elastic and I think they're really awesome people and I like, I like all of these things. But this particular fight feels like a bunch of the other fights in the industry that really it comes down to money. And I, I hate the way that 
sours everybody. Yep, agreed. So moving on, um, some of the cool things you get out of competition when you actually have two different groups of people working on the same kinds of products is you get, you know, progress. And the other plugin that if you're looking at doing open distro that you really should take a, a strong look at is the performance analytics plugin. It is a command line utility. And I've written a bunch of command line utilities for Elastic over the years in terms of looking at metrics and other various things. The one that they have, I'll stick a link in the show notes, is amazing. It gives you a huge amount of information very quickly about the nodes, the shards, the indexes, memory usage, network usage, disk usage, all kinds of things on a command line interface. So if you're SSH'd in, you can see it um, similar to the more advanced top programs where you can you can kind of hop in and look at oh, stuff. Like, like HTOP? Mm-hmm. Why, it's so nice to be able to SSH into a node and be able to say, you know, what's going on here? Especially when, you know, you're the log service that has all the logs that would normally tell you that might be down. Okay, there's a link in the show notes now for the perftop. Is the name of the plugin. And it is very useful, and I encourage everybody who is looking at either writing a tool to do performance analytics, or is using Open Distro and doesn't realize the tool exists, or is using the XPAC offering to take a look at what the other side is getting, because... This kind of tool is extraordinarily useful. Cluster overview, network memory analysis, all kinds of things. Um, you can look at the thread. You can look at the node level threads to see how your cluster cluster is performing, and kind of the the intricate inner workings of everything. So, definitely is is useful. It is written in. Yeah, you can tell somebody's doing some serious debugging. Oh somewhere. yeah, and. I don't doubt that Amazon is doing a crap load of backend performance metrics and monitoring, trying to figure out how things are operating. I mean, that's kind of the core of, of their business. How much they can push things and figure out how much to charge the user. Yeah. So it is written in node to so install it via NPM, which is not my most favorite pattern of doing things. I, well, I like everybody's when, a sinner. There's you know, stuff everywhere. And I, I don't know if it actually requires having um, the open distro version or if you can run it on XPAC or vanilla Elasticsearch. I've, I've not tried that yet, but it's definitely one of those things that could be very, very useful. So if that, if that floats your boat, go take a look. So one of the things I have always sort of mused about, because I don't believe it's public knowledge in any way, shape, or form, but there's subtle jokes on the internet about it, is some of the inner workings of how AWS keeps track of billing. And from my knowledge of telemetry, it's got to be some sort of event-based system. And Elastic seems really kind of close to close to the ballpark for what they're trying to keep track of. But that's something I've always been very curious about, is how AWS keeps track of billing for their customers and what back-end system handles that. Oracle? No, I've never seen those those particular questions or, or comments raised, but things like Elasticsearch can really do a good job of telling you what people owe you. Because you have, like, as we discussed last episode and in previous episodes, you have all the data available to you, so you can do all kinds of interesting analysis and re-slicing and re-dicing of the data, as it were, live, because you haven't done the summary roll-ups. You have, again, all of the data. You can look back over the last whatever time period, as long as you have the, the entry points, the, the events in your 
in your data stream. You know, this EC2 instance was created at X time and it was destroyed at Y time. There is no, you had three and a half EC2 instances running at 1300 hours. Yeah, they're definitely not doing a, um, cause, cause they're doing permanent billing or whatever at this point. So they're able to really keep track of exactly what you're running of what instance type of what size for how long. Interesting. So you think they would use logs over uh, telemetry at that point? I think it's totally an event-driven system, but that system's got to be massive and redundant. Oh, absolutely, because if you can't build, then you, you're out of business, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my first thought of of Amazon as a platform and Elastic is, I wonder if they're using that to keep track of billing. It's not a bad guess, honestly, because it's not the kind Couple of thing, side services on the side. You don't want to like automatically increment counters or anything like that based on how long the thing's been running or, you know, scrape uptime and try to calculate it that way. That, that, that would be an insane path in terms of data volume, you know, disk rights, network bandwidth, all that kind of crap. So yeah, you just, you want to be able to do start and stop. And when it stops, you get a Delta in whatever resolution time unit you're using and say, charge the customer, you know, 977 seconds for an M3 extra large. We would like to thank 42 Lines for sponsoring this episode. 42 Lines is a DevOps consulting firm specializing in observability, cloud migrations, site reliability engineering, cost control, security practices, and team mentoring. Start your SRE journey today with the experts at 42lines.net. And please take the time to rate the show on Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory. It is the best way for new listeners to find us. Additionally, we welcome feedback about shows we've recorded or topics you'd like us to cover. Leave us a comment on the website at operations.fm or send us your thoughts on, on email, feedback at operations.fm. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkins. Thanks, and good night. Node. Why Node?